0: Jackson
1: and Joe Polish, and uh, we've got a special guest today with us. And I do want to say this is kind of Jackson funny because, yeah, I'm I'm at my home in uh, Paradise Valley. Um, and Dean, hey, I'm Jackson, there too. Yeah, Dean Jackson is visiting me, but he's on the complete downstairs level uh, in the guest suite on the opposite <laughs> side of the house. Uh, which because it's it's easier when he's far away from me. But
0: um, <laughs> all right, well, so we, we've got a. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so what do we got going on today, Dean?
0: Well, I'm very excited. We've got a cool guy. This guy, Every time I have to say this before we introduce who he is, that my experience of our guest is that this guy is TV ready at all times. That's been my experience. Every time I've seen him, he's been completely TV ready.
1: You know what, that that's true. From the way he dresses to the way he talks to his preparation to the way he holds himself he lives absolutely. It. Yeah. He lives it. Yeah. So Okay, well that. so let me let me let me do the intro. I'll do the official intro. Okay, so cool. his name is Clint Arthur. And Clint, can you hear me okay?
2: I can hear you just fine.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Well, Clint is the CEO of Status Factory, which is raising our client's status in the eyes of customers and prospects, uh, and media trainer to the stars. He's got a number one bestselling uh, book called uh, 21 Performance Secrets of Donald Trump. He is the reigning GKIC InfoMarketer of the Year, sales record holder at GKIC conferences. He arranged for 62 clients to speak at Harvard in 2015 as a way to create thought leader positioning and million-dollar marketing videos. And uh, 450 author, speaker, coaches, and entrepreneur clients have booked themselves on more than 2,526 network television appearances since 2012 using Clint's magic message messenger formula for getting on TV anytime you want for free. He's got Genius Network member clients, including Lisa Sasevich, Mike Koenigs, uh, Dr. Kelly Ampatrusi, And he is always looking for new thought leaders who want to speak at his upcoming Harvard events. He's got one in uh, July, end of July uh, this year. And his website, statusfactory.com. So, Clint, what else uh, about you would people would be well served to know before we jump into talking about what you do and how you do it and how it applies to everyone listening?
2: Donald Trump... Could not have me more excited if he was in this room than I am right now to be on your show right now. I'm a huge, huge fan of I Love Marketing. I have grown to love marketing as a result of listening to I Love Marketing these last few years. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Genius Network, a proud member of the network, and I'm really, really grateful and honored to be a guest on your show. Thanks so much for having me, gentlemen. You are
1: welcome. Thank you. Thank you. And, you know, you gave a 10-minute talk at a recent Genius Network meeting that I thought was just killer. And we're going to put that interview up. Um, We'll we'll, we'll probably make it a bonus on on I Love Marketing, and we'll also put it up on the the up-and-coming GeniusX.com platform that we're going to be launching here soon. And so uh, for people who don't know you, how do you describe uh, what you do?
2: Dan Kennedy is one of my principal mentors and something that he said at super conference a few years ago, really, really stuck out for me. He said that our number one job as entrepreneurs is to raise our status in the eyes of customers and prospects. They have to look at us in the sense that we are above them. If we want them to pay us lots of money and they need to see us as being superior to our competition And that's the guiding principle of everything that I do. It is all about raising my clients' perceived status in the eyes of their customers and prospects. And the key word is perception right there. That's what marketing is all about. And that's entirely what we do, is help clients raise their status. And that's been the principal focus of my own career for the last few years. Another way that Dan said it is, if you're not hooing, then you are doing the wrong thing as an entrepreneur, and all I've been doing is just focusing on hooing, whooing, hooing, and it seems to be doing, doing, doing just just fine for me and my clients as well. That's what it's. <laughs> yeah,
1: so I mean, so you're laughing, Dean. What are, you, what are you? What are you laughing about? No,
2: that's great. I mean,
0: that's that's a funny uh, that's a funny thing.
1: Because, yeah, well,
0: uh, whooing
1: yeah, all over the place w well, we did, we did an episode with with Dan Kennedy that's on I love marketing also and that was one of the most interesting things that we discussed on that episode was uh when you first start out in business, you get paid for uh what you do, and then if you do a really good job of the what then you start getting paid for who you are, and that's where you know celebrity comes in that's where you know the Kardashians just need to be the Kardashians. They're going out and doing that, and people would argue, "What the hell value are they creating? What are they really doing?" Uh, you know what they have done though is they've really positioned themselves as. You know, so it's it's really easy to point to celebrities or people that have uh, achieved some sort of award, say, in, you know, athletics or entertainment or musicians or artists, uh, I think it's more difficult for people to kind of grasp the, the status and the positioning as, of an entrepreneur. I mean, there's, you know, there's there's business, entrepreneurial celebrities, but they're usually billionaires or people that have started, you know, big companies like Zuckerberg or You know, Steve Jobs or, you know, Richard Branson, of course, things like that. Um, how do you, um, how do you think about this for the small entrepreneur who would hear this saying, well, you know, I mean, raise my status, but I'm not, I'm shy. I'm introverted. I'm not boisterous like Donald Trump if they want to, you know, make that comparison or whatever. How do you, how do you approach, uh, explaining that so
2: people get what you mean? I've had the great privilege of sharing my message about status at Harvard for the Entrepreneurship Students Club of Harvard Business School, as well as at USC for their entrepreneurship program. And USC's entrepreneurship teacher gave me a hat. And I went there with my daughter. My daughter's a junior at USC right now in the film school, and they gave each of us a hat with the logo of the Entrepreneurship Center at USC on the hat. And the logo is probably the best logo I've ever seen. It is a circle made out of red dots, and one of the dots is missing outside of the circle. It is outside of the circle. And that's the key to it all that entrepreneurs need to understand, is that you have to separate yourself from that circle. And the best way to separate yourself from the circle is with celebrity positioning, because there's this weird fascination and, and appreciation and intimidation that people have by people who are perceived to be celebrities. And if you can create that perception that you are more of a celebrity than them, then you are doing your job as an entrepreneur. Now, how how do you do that? You do it by going on television or speaking in prestigious places like Harvard or West Point or at some other esteemed university. Or Dan Kennedy did it by speaking at the success seminars in in the 80s and 90s. He would speak in arenas. You can do it by speaking with certain people. Like I'm, I'm proud to say that I've had the opportunity to speak on the same stage as Joe Polish and as Brendan Burchard and as Mike Koenigs and Lisa Sasevich and Dan Kennedy. And that is called celebrity attachment sense. So for people who are just regular average Joes, like my client, Dave Striegel, he's an auto mechanic in Pittsburgh. And he attended one of my workshops and really got it and started booking himself on TV news and talk shows. And in the process of doing that, he was able to leverage that into getting a breakout session because he coaches other auto mechanics on how to make money. And he turned that into a breakout session. And there were like 50 breakout sessions at this Napa Auto Parts Convention in Las Vegas. But then he really did great. He kept, kept going on TV, kept going on TV, He got on to Fox Los Angeles, an auto mechanic from Pittsburgh, went on Fox Los Angeles, did two appearances on Good Day LA, sent those appearances to the guys who did the speaker selection for the Napa Auto Convention, and he ended up on the main stage in front of 12,000 auto mechanics in Mandalay Bay Arena in the convention center because he was perceived to be a celebrity compared to all the other auto mechanics. I have a, a nice little chart that I have in one of my magazines that I hand out. It's kind of, a, it's a magalog. Of, it's kind of a brochure that looks like a magazine. And the chart says on, on the left side of the spectrum is your competition. On the right side of the spectrum is Donald Trump and Kim Kardashian. You need to be in between Donald Trump became Kardashian and your competition. If you could just elevate yourself above your competition, you don't have to be Donald Trump in order to make more money. You'll make more money if you could be Donald Trump, obviously, but all you have to do is get above the crowd and then you will be able to make much more money than the rest of the crowd. So hopefully that illustrates how to do that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I would, I would actually say that definitely with the, uh, with the, the, prerequisite also that whatever it is that you're selling, offering, promising, claiming, doing um, from your products, your services, your method, your process, your thing, whatever your thing is, it can't be crap because you can very much uh, undermine yourself by trying to position yourself as a badass right. when you really aren't a badass. So how do you prepare or even know by telling or suggesting and, and and again I say this that this is where people always take things out of context where if you see someone who is a scumbag or someone that is like way over the top uh and they are hyping themselves or promoting them to be something like the promise is is bigger than the the actual deliverable and they use really effective positioning marketing um all of the the stuff that any really smart marketer would know how to, you know, employ and utilize. Um, And then it actually works, but people are like, Oh, marketing, you know, it's these damn marketers. When, Well, look, you know, every legitimate company that's out there, every awesome person that delivers something is also, in many cases, doing the exact same thing. I mean, if you're an Oprah fan, Oprah does it all day long. If you're an Apple fan, Apple does it all day long. You know, if you like Branson, Branson does it all day. You know, I'm Richard Branson's largest fundraiser. I mean, he's a very well put together product of of PR. We're really effectively well done orchestrated marketing uh, now, some people don't like Branson, and some people do, but the point is, like what do you how do you prepare people to have their thing live up to the the
2: positioning that you're teaching them how to do so I was pursuing the Hollywood dream for thirteen years, and man I sunk so low from that. The last, you know, I'm a graduate of the Wharton Business School. The last six years of my Hollywood dream, I was driving a taxi in Los Angeles to survive. And if you want to really see what can be done to your ego, drive a taxi for six years in Los Angeles Uh. and experience that. And after doing that for all that time, it came to be New Year's Eve of the millennium, 2000, uh, December 31st, 1999. And I'm driving a cab. And couple of the guys in the back seat of my cab were MBA students who were interns at Goldman Sachs. They were talking about this guy, Mr. Carrera, Mr. Carrera. I turned around and said, are you guys talking about Chris Carrera? They said, how do you know Mr. Carrera? Chris Carrera was a pledge. When I was a pledge master in my fraternity, I used to make that kid dance around the fraternity house with his underpants on top, of his house, uh, on top of his head. And now he was a director at Goldman and making millions. And there I was, Making five hundred and thirteen dollars on New Year's Eve of the millennium, and that night I said, "That's it. I'm never going to write again. I'm I'm going to give up on the dream." And for the next eight years, all I did was make money and get fat and happy selling butter and real estate, which are two of my uh, two of my ventures that I still do to this day. I finally broke through and started writing again when a shaman at a men's self help campfire pointed at me and said, you don't know it yet, but you're already dead. And I couldn't get that out of my mind. And finally, it came to be New Year's Day of 2009, and I woke up and asked myself the question, if this was going to be the last year of my life, what would I want to accomplish? And the first thing I wrote down that I needed to do that year, if I was going to die at the end of the year, I wanted to memorialize all the great wisdom I learned at Wharton when I was studying entrepreneurship there in a book, so that in case anything really did happen to me, that, that wisdom would be preserved for my daughter. And I wrote that book, what they teach you at the Wharton Business School, in eight days. And that ultimately led me to getting on television to promote the book, and here we are today. One oh. of the chapters in that book is about quality. And I say in that book, and I, and I believe it to this day, if you don't have a great Product or service, you shouldn't be trying to take people's money. You should have a product that's so great that you have guarantees about what it does. I, all my products have guarantees. If if you come through my celebrity TV training program, Celebrity Launchpad, we guarantee you're going to book yourself on at least three TV appearances or you get all your money back plus $500, and we've had 100% success. If you come to speak at our business expert forum at Harvard Faculty Club, we guarantee that you are going to speak at Harvard, at the faculty club, you're gonna get a three camera video. It's a super high quality thing. And every entrepreneur, if you're not doing high quality stuff, get out of it because there's so many people who can deliver the high quality stuff. Now with that said, what you and I and Dean are preaching is dangerous stuff because we're, we're giving people the keys to the kingdom. When you have marketing, Sometimes you don't need a great, a great, great product. If your marketing is so good, you can get away with murder. And that's the problem. Therein lies the rub. And I I really, (laughs) I encourage people not to use marketing until you have the great product because marketing can be so powerful. And um, it's kind of like, you know, Hitler had great marketing. It, It was called propaganda. Propaganda is marketing, and if you can you can use this stuff for evil purposes. And there are people in in many industries who have great marketing and inferior products, and that's sad and and really wrong. But what are you going to do? The smart people realize that the marketing of what you do is one hundred times more important than what you actually do. So. With that said, please, if you're a student of this podcast, use this wisdom for purposes of good, not for purposes of evil.
1: Mm. Yep, that's well said. Well said. Cool. Uh, so, Dean, I could keep going on and on, but you, uh, I don't want you to get all choked up over here and stuff. So. Well, we
0: could. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm fascinated to, because uh, I don't know the um backstory. I mean, we've met a few times and, and, I've always enjoyed hanging out with you, but how do you go from from Wharton Business School to driving a taxi in in L.A.? What you say, chasing the Hollywood dream? What was the dream that you were that you were chasing at that uh, when you were going down there? Were you trying to be a a writer? Did you say or
2: what was where were you going? Okay, so when I was 14 years old, I read about a character in a book, and this this character was a Fascinating, fabulous, international, playboy, successful businessman. And he went to something called the Wharton Business School. I climbed up to the top shelf of my bookcase and pulled down the encyclopedia with a W on it. And there indeed was Wharton Business School. It was a real place. And that's mm-hmm. where the financiers would send their children to be educated about business. In fact, Donald Trump sent his kids there. And, mm-hmm. you know, one of my fraternity brothers was Saul Steinberg's son, John O. Steinberg. Who today runs a sixty billion dollar um, wealth wealth building company? And Saul Steinberg was the guy who greenmailed Disney and almost took over Disney in the eighties. Um, I had no idea that I was just going to be a lower middle class kid, fish out of water, hanging out with the children of billionaires. And wh- what happened was, I, I said to myself, if I could go to Wharton. Maybe, and become somebody, maybe my parents would stop arguing so much. Now, did your parents ever argue when you were a kid? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So I graduate from Wharton with a 4.0 GPA in entrepreneurship. I go home to visit my parents shortly thereafter. And sure enough, they get into a huge argument. And my dad storms out of the house and slams the door. And I turned to my mom and I said, you know, the way he resents you all these years have you been cheating on dad? And then I thought to myself, I cannot believe I just asked my mother that question. I mean, What the hell kind of smart ass am I to ask a question like that? And then I said, how come she's not answering that question? And then I'm like freaking out, putting the pieces together in my mind. And finally she says, he's not your real father. Oh, your what? real father. Your real father was a doctor.
0: (laughs) I wish, man. I wish. Thank you.
2: Your real father was a doctor at the fertility clinic, and you looked just like him. And at that point, imagine how you would feel if everything you thought you knew about who you were was suddenly no longer true. And I didn't know what I wanted to be anymore when I grew up. And so naturally, I moved out to Hollywood. And I started going on auditions, writing screenplays, writing books. And over the course of 13 years, I wrote 30 screenplays, more than 10 books. And, you know, I was supposed to star in all kinds of movies that never got made. Uh, one movie I starred in, we, we made it twice. And in the third time, the third time we made it, it, it just blew up. And still nothing ever happened. I mean, I tried so hard to make it in Hollywood but there was something that wasn't working. And I I don't know, maybe it was the fact that I was smoking marijuana. Maybe it was the fact that I was drinking alcohol. I think that probably had something to do with it because ultimately after I focused only on making money and after I cooked up with the shaman and wrote my book later that year, December 14, 2009, I went to a place called Optimum Health Institute in San Diego, and one of the rules was no alcohol, no drugs. And I stopped smoking marijuana on December 14, 2009. And on January 21st, 2010, I did my first television appearance. And I I mean, there's a lot of people who say marijuana is not an addictive drug. I say bullshit. I did not realize that I was addicted to marijuana until more than a year and a half later when I realized some of the choices that I had made had been influenced by marijuana and that my ambition, my self-confidence, a lot of things were undermined by by taking that drug. And I, all of a sudden, six weeks after I stopped taking using marijuana, I'm on TV and that was the first of my... Now, seventy-three television appearances that I've made since then. So you can draw your own conclusions, but um, that was my that was my experience of chasing the Hollywood dream. And um, you know, uh, did you uh, did you
0: orchestrate getting on on TV that first
2: time, or was that
0: um, or was it serendipitous that it happened that you were on TV?
2: Well, what happened was. Uh, I believe in mentors, and you know I have invested a lot of money with Dan Kennedy, with Lisa Sasevich, with um, it, 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 uh, James Malinchek. I mean, I've studied with all kinds of mentors, and I continue to invest in my education, which is why I'm a proud member of Genius Network, and I, I value the investments that I make in my education. And one of the mentors that I was able to connect with was Zach Canfield. And I said, hey, how do you uh, – see, the first year I self-published my book, I waited for the sales to roll in without mm. marketing the book. And all nine of those sales rolled in in 2009. And that's <laughs> when I went to Jack Canfield and said, hey, man, how do you sell books? And he said, you got to go on media. you got to go on TV. So I called the publicist in New York, and I said, I don't care what it costs. Get me on the Today Show so I can promote my book. And she laughed at me. And she said, listen here, Clint. You are never going to go on the Today Show. They are never going to put you on that show. You're a middle-aged guy nobody's never heard of. You got a self-published book nobody's never bought. You got no TV experience. It ain't never going to happen. You got to go on local TV. And I said, okay, get me on NBC New York. That's my hometown station. And when she stopped laughing at me the second time, She said, hey, Clint, you know, I think I got you figured out. You're not really a business author. You're a freaking comedian, because that's the second hysterically funny thing you said to me in the last 30 seconds. You're never going to get on NBC New York. You're a middle-aged guy nobody's never heard of. You got a self-published book nobody's never bought. You got no TV experience. They're never going to put you on NBC New York. You got to go on Little Podunk Cities. Maybe then one day you could work your way up. I'm like, what do you mean? Like Salt Lake City, Utah? She goes, perfect. And don't forget to pack your long underwear. Three days later, I'm booked in Salt Lake City, Utah. And it's minus 20 degrees Celsius there when, uh, when I'm supposed to go on. And I'm looking at the email confirmation of my booking, and I'm thinking to myself, why would they put me on TV in Salt Lake City, Utah? I'm a middle-aged guy. Nobody's never heard of. I got a self-published book nobody's never bought. No TV experience. I, I went there thinking I was going to be great because, you know, I had seen lots of TV news interviews. And how hard could it be? But I actually sucked in Salt Lake City. And it's a lucky thing I wasn't on the Today Show because I would have sucked way worse. And I called up the publicist and I said, uh, I had an off day that day. Why don't you get me some more? hoping that I could improve rapidly, I was paying her $1,500 for each booking that she got me. It was called a pay for placement service. And Mm -hmm. she was happy to take $6,000 of my money for the first four appearances. And I'm watching them with my wife on my computer in the living room after they were done. And I said, honey, what do you think? And she said, I think you suck. (laughs) And I said, okay, great. I'm going to call this publicist and book myself on 10 more shows. And she goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why do you keep paying this lady? Why don't you book yourself on these shows? And I thought to myself, first of all, how do you do that? Second of all, don't you look like a loser calling up a TV station, trying to get on the show? How do you do it? It took me months to figure out how you do this. And I had many, many phones slammed down in my ear from assignment desk editors saying, don't call us, we'll call you. And finally, after several months, I got my first booking in Biloxi, Mississippi. And all of 2010 of calling, 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 I was able to book myself on only seven shows total. But in 2011, I booked 20 shows. And the 32nd appearance that I made on TV was on NBC New York. And I booked it off of an email that I sent to a producer I have never spoken to before or since. And it was really based on my formula, what I call the magic messenger formula for how to get on TV anytime you want for free. If you put certain elements into a proposal, these TV producers cannot resist. And it's almost a mathematical equation of what you need to put in there to twist their brains and make them respond in ways that they can't even understand why they're responding it because no one has ever codified the, the accumulation of elements into a TV segment to make it dynamic, fun, entertaining, and make you more than just a talking head and to get you bookings. And that is what it is, what has enabled my students to book so many TV appearances over 2,500 in the last uh, four years or so. Mm, so you cracked the code kind of thing. That's and package it. I really did. I, I, and, and I heard, you know, I've invested a lot of money with another genius network member, Brendan Burchard, uh, one of my most favorite mentors that I've ever had. I think Brendan is a genius and especially at marketing. And I, I, luckily I was a high level coaching client of his. I was in his empire group and that was like a $10,000 a year investment when, and it, you know, in the expert industry, they always seem expensive, but that was, that was a good value. And I got to go to a lot of his events and I heard him say this over and over and over. It was probably the 10th time I heard him say it, that it finally sunk in and I understand what to do. He said, if you're really an expert, you have to have a formula for how your clients can replicate what you do. And Mm -hmm. finally, after seeing him do that, seeing him say that the tenth time. It finally clicked in me what the formula was, and I pulled off my name badge from that seminar, and I wrote the formula down for how to get on TV right on the back of that name badge. And then I was the next speaker up at that event, and when I put that slide up in my PowerPoint presentation, the whole room just went crazy. I said, here's the formula for how you get on TV, and it looks like calculus, but it really does break down to be very simple but the whole room just exploded with howls and screams and nobody had ever seen anything like that before and it revolutionized my business he was completely right once you formalize what you do it transforms you and and your perceived level of expertise in what you do in a way that is just an unbelievable experience and i am so eternally grateful to brendan for impressing that on me and helping me to get to where I am today. So thanks, Brendan. <laughs> oh, that's oh. very exciting.
1: You know, I wanted to say a couple of things. I'm, I'm making a note here. Um, you, you mentioned about your your father and about that, that situation, because when Dean went back and asked you, you know, how did you end up driving a cab? You know, when I hear stuff like that, knowing as much that I know about, um, addiction and about crazy making and about dysfunction. And of course, speaking from my own experience of what were the hardest and most difficult times of my life and how was the pursuit of, um, whatever, building a business, a company success, well, you know, why does someone have an interest in, you know, personal development and self-help? It's, it's usually because people are just trying to, you know, heal themselves and also, you know, Part of healing yourself is having the ability to make a living, make an income, pay your bills, build a life, support your family, take care of yourself, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And something like that has got to just shock the living shit out of you. I mean, you know, that's a pretty intense um, in negative experience to have something like that. So I imagine... Um, even the, the connection and your ability to connect growing up with this sort of, um, this, this secret, this, this, this call, I don't know if you, you know, I don't, I don't want to label it because it's not my life, it's your life. It's just my perception only from what you have shared with me in the past and what I've heard you talk about and then, you know, bringing it back up here is that, you know, living under that sort of lie, the the interaction with your company, you know, here you go to go to Hollywood to, you know, quote unquote, be an actor, you know, mo- and most actors um, make their actors and actresses, their occupation is basically pretending to be someone that they're not. And what I have found with a lot of celebrities is, is a lot of them, um, at least the ones that I know, um, have been quite traumatized in, in their lives. I mean, most... Most people that kind of get into that business are not on the, you know, inside what people think they are on by seeing them on the outside. And I think you've had to really overcome some incredibly difficult shit in in your life. And I'm glad that you shared uh, what you've went through, because I, to me, I mean, we can talk about marketing strategies, and we can talk about what you do and how you do it, and certainly I want to do that, because that'll be really useful to our listeners. What I do want to point out, though, is that the path to success, the path to figuring it out, uh, is is not very easy. Uh, maybe some people have it easier than others, but it's there's just a lot of shit to deal with, and what, you know, out of all of the stuff that you have done to to help you in that area, because, you know, rejection is really hard uh, for people that have been rejected their whole life. And I think one of the reasons that people don't have success with um, a lot of strategies is they're, you know, like you were saying, smoking pot, you know, because I don't think even the drugs are Addictive, or the alcohol. I mean, I I don't even think it's about the drugs or the alcohol. Although I spent most of my life thinking it was, you know, because I was a drug addict. I mean, you've you've heard me mention that many times. I've talked about it, uh, and and I love marketing. When I was eighteen years old, I, you know, was weighed one hundred and five pounds from free basing cocaine in my worst state. Um, those were just ways to mask the pain, the internal turmoil, the the difficulty. You know, my friend Gabor Mate says, you know, the question is not why the addiction, but why the pain? And so you had to really overcome a lot of stuff. And maybe it was the shaman, maybe that was the accumulation of many things, and then you just happened to hear it at that particular point in time. But I, I'd really love to have you speak to the people that are out there that are blocked from moving forward because they think they don't have the right secret, which maybe they don't. You know, sometimes you do need to give people the formula, like you just mentioned. I mean, you know, once you formalize something, then you can transform yourself. That's what you said that, you know, you learned from, from Brendan. And I agree with that. Uh, however, if someone does have a formula and they're still not able to move forward, or, you know, there's there's many factors. But I think one of the biggest factors is people are stuck because they're they're either hurt or it's self-imposed or whatever so what are some of the things that you have um, that have been most useful you for you to break out of that funk i mean did you have to become in so much pain that you just said fuck it you know i I just can't take this anymore and make a big shift like that conversation with the you know the the kids in the back of your your cab and reminding you that you're not going to do this anymore all those it still took you you know, years of, of putting stuff together. So I just wanted to get some of your suggestions on all of the stuff that you've done. I mean, certainly you're a student, and, and I know I'm rambling here, but I, uh, you, I know you've done a lot of stuff um, and you've invested a lot of time and a lot of money. I mean, literally decades of your life. Uh, you know, what were what
2: were the things that just made the biggest difference for you? When the shaman said, you don't know it yet, you're already dead. And then I woke up on New Year's Day of 2009, and I said, what if I was going to die at the end of this year? What would I want to do? That was a real transformation for me because I lived that year with total fuck it. I just said, you know, I don't care. I'm just going to do everything. That was the year I spent $6,500 on a watch. That was the year that we went on the vacations we wanted to go on. That was the year that I got my dream car doubt. I just did everything. And it was because I had no fear or doubt because it really didn't matter anymore. I wanted to do it all because I was living as if I was going to die. And at the end of that year, I had a death ceremony and I said, this is the end. This is the end of life as I know it. And I think that what holds a lot of people back is they have a lot of fear and doubt and concern that they're going to look stupid, that they're going to fail, that they're going to uh, think less of themselves, that other people are going to think less of them, that they're going to look like an idiot in front of their family and friends. And it keeps you from taking the actions that you really need to take if you ever want to break out of this this life of quiet desperation that most people live. I mean I was sitting in my office and I looked at my book this like no October November of 2009 and there's the book sitting on a on a shelf collecting dust and I'm thinking to myself I can't believe this. I have a book about the secrets of the Wharton Business School and nobody's freaking buying it. It's just collecting dust on the shelf. I got to do something about this. And that that's all of that came out of this idea that you have to not give a shit what people are going to say. And you have to understand that failure is part of the process. And really there is no real failure. There's only experience. Thomas Edison said, I did not have 10,000 failures on the way to inventing the light bulb. I just discovered 10,000 ways that didn't work and gave me information that led me to the next step. And it really, you have to just keep going and going and going and understand that quote unquote failure and looking foolish is part of the process. And uh, the faster you fail, I I think I've even heard you say that, Joe, the faster you, the one who wins is the one who can fail fastest. And I I think that's really an important thing. And for an entrepreneur, you have to be willing to take the lumps and learn from them as investments of time and effort so that you can gather information and move forward in what you're doing. And for, for anybody who doesn't have that attitude. You have to remember what Tony Robbins says. How many times would you let a baby fall down before you stop letting them try to learn how to walk? Of course you wouldn't ever, never, ever let a baby stop trying to learn how to walk. And it's the same thing about becoming a successful entrepreneur, a successful marketer. All of marketing is testing and, and trying new things.
1: Yep. Totally. Hmm.
2: Totally. Yeah. So so, Dean, what
1: do you what what do you have to say for yourself? Because I've got a I've got some questions for Clint, but I want to make I, sure that I, I don't do step over You want to
0: kind of yeah, you want to kind of move into seeing how some of this stuff would apply to some of our listeners, some of the small businesses that might be listening. I was very intrigued when Clint you were saying that you taught the formula to a mechanic from Philadelphia, and Pittsburgh. They Pittsburgh. Sorry, they were able to get on. Uh, on TV, and I, you know, he just kind of struck it like, okay. M- most people think, okay, well, I'm not a guru, or I'm not, uh, you know, teaching people other things. But how do uh, how does this work for small businesses? Any small business? Do you believe anybody could benefit by being on TV?
2: I sincerely do, and I've had all different kinds of people. So I have an insurance agent. His name is Craig Lack. He's uh, an expert in Obamacare. He sells Obamacare policies to corporations. He's done six or seven TV appearances. That's all. Only like six or seven. And he's used those appearances to create differentiation between him and the other insurance agents who are trying to get those same contracts. And according to Craig Lack, there's a direct line that can be drawn between going on television and establishing yourself as being different and better than your competition. and Closing seven figure insurance contract deals in his industry. Then there's Ellen Rohr. She's a plumbing consultant. She goes in and teaches plumbing companies how to make more money. she She's got a lot of experience. She was the president of this company called Benjamin Franklin Plumbing. They went from zero to forty two million in five years. so she's she knows what she's doing. But once she started going on TV, Now she uses that. This is a really great example that she invented. Now she'll book herself on a TV station like in Austin, Texas, and then call up inactive clients, clients that had used her consulting services in the past and had not done anything with her in years and call them up and say, hey, y'all, I'm coming to Austin to be on the Fox Morning News. And as long as I'm coming into town, why don't I come by? And do a little dust off half day consultation for you. And since I'm already going to be there, you don't have to pay my travel and hotel like you normally would. So it'll just be $6,000 for the consulting fee and that's it. And because of the fact that it's so unusual for people to be calling up and saying that they're going to be on TV and the celebrity attached to it, it's exciting for the clients to have the biggest celebrity in Austin, Texas that day the one who was interviewed on the news, come in and do a consult for them that same exact day. I personally have used that in my butter business. I would call up chefs and say, hey, chef, it's Clint Arthur. I'm the president of Five Star Butter, and I'm going to be in town because I'm appearing on the ABC morning news, and I'm wondering if you'd like me to come into your kitchen when I'm done at the TV studio and let you taste the best butter on earth. And they would always say yes, Or they would even call me back, like after I would leave a voicemail message, they would call me back and say, yes, yes, we want you to come in after you're done at the TV station. And then I I tried that in another city, and I I tried pitching that. What I did in Chicago with that was I did a popcorn demonstration, how to transform ordinary microwave popcorn into an instant gourmet treat. And one of the recipes I did in Chicago was Chicago deep dish pizza popcorn. And popcorn involves butter, of course, but in Miami – the producer didn't like it. He's like, uh, Miami popcorn. What else you got? And I said, well, I have a new book coming out. It's called the president code, common traits of uncommon leaders. And he goes, what do you mean? Like baseball stats for the presidents? I said, yeah, that's right. He goes, Oh, I love that shit. Let's do that. And so I go in and do that. and, And I was able to use that TV celebrity, even though it had nothing to do with butter, even though I wasn't doing a cooking demonstration in Miami, I was talking about the president. I just called up the chefs and said, Hey chef, it's Clint Arthur president of five star butter company. I'm going to be in Miami to be on the morning news on NBC. And I'm wondering if you want me to come into your kitchen when I'm done at the TV studio and let you taste the best butter on earth. And sure enough, they would say yes to that. And the key is, is that there's nobody else selling butter who's on the news. And, it, the more mundane the job that you do, the more likely TV celebrity is going to benefit you, regardless of whether you're talking about your topic of of business or some personal pursuit or passion of yours. Maybe you have a hobby. Maybe you are a, a volunteer for some organization. It's it, It's irrelevant. The only thing that matters is that you're on TV and your competition ain't. And that's why regular people, anybody in business can do it. My clients have included every different kind of business. I've already enumerated three very mundane types, you know, auto mechanics, insurance agents, plumbing consultants. I've had a woman who decorates parties and events with balloons who made it onto the Today Show in only three months after taking my celebrity launch pad. I mean, it's it really doesn't matter what you do as long as you apply the formula and put energy into this process of Hooing yourself onto TV, you can benefit and make more money.
1: Well, you know, let's talk about the formula then, or let's talk about what people actually do and how they do it. I mean, certainly you have programs on all of that, but like real tangible things that people listening to this could do. So, you know, when they're done listening to this, they actually have something that they can really implement and pursue. How do they go about doing that? I mean, what are some recommendations for, you're a small business owner, you're hearing this, you you understand that, you know, getting positioning, linking to, you know, increasing your status, doing all of that is going to be beneficial. What are some of the first things you, you do? What are the ingredients that one needs to to put together in order to start building a Who? I mean, certainly, you know, much of this is on the backbone of, you know, hundreds of hours of different methodologies we've given on I Love Marketing. And for anyone that's obviously, you know, if there's someone that this happens to be the first episode you've ever listened to, and I love, I love marketing, which is not obviously most of our listeners, but if it happened to be, there is tons of stuff that we have spoken to related to this sort of um, topic and positioning uh, on previous episodes, certainly. So, I mean, it all just adds one more brick to the, the, the capability uh,
2: you know wall that we're all building here. But what, what, are, what are some things you recommend? Okay, so we can go through the formula. I'm happy to reveal the exact formula for how to get on TV anytime you want for free. And the first part of it really comes down to the way you talk. And in, in entrepreneurship, a lot of the selling is done by talking for a lot of us entrepreneurs. And so how do you talk? How, what do you say when you talk? This is what you really have to pay attention to because there's two really important elements of how you talk. Number one is how relevant is what you're talking about and how does that relate? Well, in TV, they call this hooks. How, How do you hook into an audience and make them feel like they want to watch something? Well, the first thing is in local TV, the most important hook is the local hook how does this matter to a TV producer in Las Vegas? Why are they going to put you on TV in Las Vegas? They're not producing the Today Show in Vegas. They're producing the local news in Vegas. And if you want to go on TV in Las Vegas, you have to make a producer understand why this matters to the local audience by providing some sort of a local hook. So, for example, my client who was a knitting expert, she said today is National Knit in Public Day And for anybody who wants to come and knit in public with me and my friends, we're going to be at the Bellagio Fountains at 8 p.m. knitting in public, and you can either knit with us or we will teach you how to knit. That's the local hook. Now, there's also another hook embedded in that, and that's the timely hook, which is the second most important hook. Why in Las Vegas and why today? Why are we going to put you on the news today in Las Vegas? Well, she's going to be knitting in public at the Bellagio Fountains, tonight at 8 p.m., that's the timely hook. And television is only concerned about what's going to happen today or tomorrow. If it's way beyond tomorrow, it's too far in advance, and it's not really relative. It's not really relevant because everybody in television knows we could all be dead in two days, and it really doesn't matter. Certainly, they could lose their job in two days if they're unable to get ratings. So those are the two most important hooks that you need to think about the local hook and the timely hook. Then there's the next part of the formula, which, it, and, and if you're going to write down the formula, I write, I call that part of the formula H to the X hooks. How many hooks? It depends. There's two really good he- hooks there. H to the X. In this case, X equals two. The next part of the formula, put a little plus sign next to H to the X. And next thing you write down is C to the X. C stands for Celebrities. And Donald Trump is really, really good about this. You hear Donald Trump using celebrity names and high-status associations all the time in his talking. Even though he talks on the level of an an eight-year-old person, he still uses celebrity names, names of famous people. And when you're talking in your marketing, you should use the names of famous people – And it's really interesting why, because when you use the names of famous people, it helps people visualize what you're talking about. When you say something about Kim Kardashian, uh, it was like Kim Kardashian's bubble butt. You immediately understand what we're talking about. And it helps the viewer or your audience to visualize stuff when you attach a famous person's name to it so that they can see that person in their mind. Now, how many celebrities should you put in your proposal? That depends also. I had a a health coach named Tina Saki. She did really well with a segment that was called Five Foods Ellen DeGeneres and Bill Clinton Would Never Eat and Neither Should You. And there's two celebrities in there that you can recognize immediately. And so in that case, C to the X equals two. So like I said, it looks like this is calculus or algebra, But really, it's not. It's very, very simple stuff. The next part of the formula, we have H to the X plus C to the X plus P. P equals props. Now, props are really good on TV because they help you to be more than just a talking head. There's a million people that go on TV who suck at being on TV because all they go on and do is talk. But I was on CNN the other night, and the other guest was a talking head who was talking about Hillary Clinton and I was talking about Donald Trump and, you know, they put me on, on one side and him on the other side. And we were talking about how Donald Trump would say anything to get elected or, you know, you don't know what he's going to say. He flip flops. And I pulled a prop out of my pocket and the whole set went into pandemonium. I've never experienced anything like it before. The prop I pulled out of my pocket was a bottle of hot sauce. Because just that day, Hillary Clinton had been on TMZ. She was on a radio show, and TMZ got the video footage from the studio of that radio show where they said, Hillary, what's in your pocketbook? And she goes, I got hot sauce in my pocketbook. She was pulling a line from a Beyonce song, and the host was African-American on this show. He goes, are you just pandering to the African-American community? And she goes, maybe. How's it working? And when I pulled this bottle of hot sauce out of my pocket, the studio erupted into pandemonium because they knew about this whole thing. And even the guest who was in the middle of talking about something about what Hillary Clinton said, he couldn't concentrate anymore. He's like, what's that? What's he, what's he doing? What's he doing? And that prop changed the dynamic of the whole show because now it wasn't just talking heads. It was something concrete. And I said, hey, if Hillary Clinton really had a bottle of hot sauce in her pocketbook, why didn't she pull it out? Why? I, I had it in my pocket. I pulled out my bottle of hot sauce. Why won't she pull it out? And that's because <laughs> I believe Hillary Clinton will say anything to get elected and regardless of whether it's true or not. And it was that prop that made it so crystal clear. And so it's such a powerful statement. So the next part of the formula is P and you should use props and animals are the best props. That's why Jack Hanna from the zoo, the guy who has all those zoo animals, he's widely regarded as the best guest on TV talk shows because he always brings such cool animals with him and they are just props. Then the next part of the formula is D, demonstration. TV, like when you watch TV news and talk shows, very often you'll see a chef doing a cooking demo the reason why cooking demos are so popular and the reason why there's a whole channel called the, cooking, called the Food Network is because cooking demonstrations are the perfect thing to do for television. It's action. It's transforming stuff from one thing into another right before your eyes. And most importantly, they're using everyday props. They're using food that everybody loves and eats. Notice, I say everyday items. That's a key thing: using everyday stuff that people can relate to. Television is all about what can everyone relate to. If you got that's that's why my popcorn demonstration about transforming ordinary microwave popcorn into an instant gourmet treat was such a successful food demo for me because I said to the producer in Chicago, "Oh, you like that food? That you like that popcorn proposal, huh?" And she goes, "Well, who doesn't love popcorn?" That's what they want. They want stuff that everybody loves. So if you can do a a demonstration involving everyday items that people like, like a cell phone or uh, tying your shoes would be a great way. You know, if you could invent a new way to tie your shoes, that was better and demonstrate that that would be, I predict a very successful segment on TV. So H to the X plus C to the X plus P plus D plus T a slash F T a slash F stands for a takeaway or a formula. And this formula that I've explained to you right here is a great example of a formula. Uh, I've done many, many segments, and ultimately I got on the Today Show because I did so many segments regarding New Year's resolutions that involved my alive formula. I said, hey, I was living like I was already dead, and I came alive because I used the alive formula. A is awareness that this could be the last year of your life. So go for it. L, let go of your past mistakes. Don't beat yourself up. Don't feel like an idiot because you failed. Just keep moving forward. I, inspire yourself with great goals and dreams that are going to get you out of bed in the morning. Like, I, I want to be looking good in my bathing suit when I go on my vacation at Las Brisas Resort in Acapulco in November. And that's going to keep me in the gym. It's going to keep me on my diet. And that's how to inspire yourself, V, visualize how to make these things happen. It's not enough just to want stuff. You have to visualize it really coming true. And then E, energize yourself for the journey. And my favorite way to energize yourself was with great quotes. And my favorite quote is from General George S. Patton, the man who saved the free world during World War II, accept the challenges so that you may feel the exhilaration of victory. And that is how you come alive. And that's a formula that I used many, many times on TV. I did the same segment 25 times. And finally, I became so well-known as an expert on New Year's resolutions that one day my phone rang and it was the Today Show inviting me to come on as an expert on how to have a powerful new year. And that's when I was on the Today Show, December 31st. 2013 and Brooke Shields and Willie Geist interviewed me and Brooke Shields said, and and Willie Geist said, Hey, Clint, you've got a great idea. You ask yourself a question every year on new year's Eve or new year's day. What's that question? And I said, if this was going to be the last year of your life, what would you want to accomplish? So that's an illustration of the formula being a very powerful aspect of getting on television. And then, the last, the last part of the formula is AC. And this is what people don't really get. It's about costume. AC stands for appropriate costume. If you have an appropriate costume, you should wear it on TV. So what does that mean? Well, my garage mechanic, he wore his mechanic's uniform that he wears to work every day. If you wear a uniform to work every day, that's what you should wear on TV. And it makes it more interesting for the viewers because your costume immediately communicates a whole lot about what you do and what your expertise and authority and position is because of the costume you're wearing. A police officer, a lot of emotion attached to that costume when they're walking up in your rear view mirror. A fireman, a lot of love for firemen because of the the great service they do for our community. And that uniform immediately conveys that if you're a doctor, that white lab coat or medical scrubs conveys your authority and position and knowledge in an instant. And if you don't wear the costume, you're missing out because what do you have? When you have a person on TV, you have a person's body and they're going to talk about stuff and whatever they're wearing on TV is a costume. And when you're in this aspect of showbiz, and we know that news is showbiz. How do we know that news is showbiz? Because the news anchors wear makeup. If they Mm -hmm. they weren't in showbiz, they wouldn't wear makeup. But they do wear makeup because they know that all TV is showbiz. And so when you're on TV, you should really give a lot of thought to what costume are you going to wear? And that is a very underestimated part of this whole equation. So that is Clint Arthur's magic messenger formula for how to get on TV anytime you want for free. H to the X plus C to the X plus P plus D plus TA slash F plus AC equals TV and TV equals celebrity. And if you want to be a celebrity, you got to go on TV. Well, what do you think of that, Dean? was
0: uh, pretty fascinating. I mean that you know goes back to what I said. Every time that we see Clint Arthur, he is one hundred percent TV ready at any given moment. Is that part of what you, the way that you um, your costume is part of? Uh, the, every time I've seen you, you wear you're wearing a suit, you're wearing a tie, you look like you're uh, ready to go on TV at any moment.
2: What that color is my tie? I don't recall. Maybe red it's always pink and Always
0: pink. Okay.
2: it's always pink. And, and you know what you, you know what you're going to get when you get Clint Arthur. And this was a fascinating yeah. thing that came out of my experiences in the butter business. I took the chef of Bellagio to actually the executive chef of Bellagio took me to lunch one day. I mean, I've been a vendor for Bellagio. If you get bread and butter in Bellagio, thank you very much. You are helping put my kid through college because all the bread at Bellagio is buttered with five star butter. And I said to the chef, why do you buy so many thousands of pounds of butter for me every month? And he said, well, first of all, it's consistent. I mean, here is arguably the top food and beverage executive in Las Vegas, a city which is known for having outstanding food, at the top outlet in Las Vegas, Bellagio, arguably, a a five-diamond resort. And he's telling me that the number one reason why he buys my product is because it's consistent. Now, McDonald's is consistent. So right. it shows you the, the, the breadth of application of consistency in business. You could be a fast food joint or you could be the top restaurants. Consistency is always important. And that's why as a TV guest, as a, as a coach, as an author, as an entrepreneur, you're going to get the same thing from me every single time. I'm going to be wearing a suit with a pink tie. Now, why pink? Because when I would go on TV news and talk shows, every time I would wear a solid color, shiny neon color, no pattern tie, whether it was blue, red, orange, green, yellow, or pink, the producers would always say, wow, great tie, Clint, because they know that that neon pop of color is a great thing to wear on TV. TV loves neon colors. But every time I would wear the pink tie, which was inspired by Donald Trump, by the way, Every time I would wear the pink tie, everywhere I would go, people would say, "Wow, that is a great tie, Clint." So I figured, well, if everybody likes the pink, I might as well wear the pink all the time, and that's what I do. And yes, it is a costume. I was, I, I'm, you know, I still continue to study. I'm taking a public speaking course right now uh, with Michael Port. And in the class, I, I was, I was talking about something that I was inspired by you, Joe. You, you know, you talk about how. You should add 5% more fun to your business uh, whenever you can. And one of the great things I've learned in Genius Network is to try to have more fun in life. And they said, okay, say your name and how old you are. This was like a workshop exercise we were doing in this public speaking class. They said, say your name and how old you are and, and one thing that you're working on right now. And I said, my name's Clint Arthur. I'm 50 years old. And the thing I'm really working on most right now is trying to have more fun. And somebody said, well, you should take your tie off, Clint. That would be a good start. And I uh, said, hey, my tie and my suit are my costume. And I love my costume, and I get great results from my costume. And I don't think that's what's holding me back from having, from having too much fun. I, there are other ways to have fun, and the costume that I wear is really important to the business that I do. And, in fact, Every time I find myself not wearing a tie, I regret it because invariably I'm, I meet some celebrity or some other photo opportunity, and I really believe a lot in celebrity attachment photos. If you go to my website, clintarthur.tv, you'll see all kinds of celebrity attachment photos for me, which position me as more of a celebrity than other people who don't have those photos because everyone knows celebrities hang out with other celebrities. And if you go to my website and you see me in photos there with all different kinds of celebrities, well, you've got to wonder how much of a celebrity I'm, am I really? Maybe I really am a celebrity. And uh, every time I've not worn a tie, I've, I've missed out on celebrity attachment opportunities that have been uh, regrettable. So I I really do like to be ready for TV, ready for the photo op, ready to be at my best. And wearing the tie helps me to accomplish all of that. Cool. That's cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know what I want to do before we wrap up here? I want to actually ask you. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about, uh, Donald Trump because you were, you know, like you mentioned, you're on CNN and you talked about, uh, the performance secrets of Donald Trump. So, uh, and what I want to do is preface this because, uh, we've had a lot of discussions in Genius Network about what's going on politically and I, and in order for people to actually grasp the, lesson in the understanding. The very best way to do that is take your political position and beliefs, you know, love Trump, hate Trump, liberal, conservative, you know, whatever, and just put that to the side and just say, okay, what is actually going on and why is there the popularity? And so I did an episode on 10xtalk.com with um, Dan Sullivan on our podcast a, a few months ago. And we were talking about a line that Dean Jackson says, which is uh, a uh, compelling offer is 10 times more powerful than a convincing argument. And what we, without even mentioning Trump, we basically said, if you want to look at what's going on politically, you know, there's one person who is really compelling and everyone else is trying to convince. And that was before many people actually had, you know, dropped out. Um, And so here we are, um, you know, getting towards the end of May 2016 uh with what is going on politically and why do you think um from your perspective that Donald Trump is so uh successful at what he how far he is and and where he's at right now how would you what are what are the the strategies and lessons there that people can
2: apply and understand okay Thank you for asking this question. And I really believe this answer is going to help a lot of people to do better marketing. So let's take Trump. He stands for teeth. He uses his teeth in very interesting ways. First of all, he's got a full set of very expensive porcelain veneers, they're super white. And I believe that having white teeth is a very powerful strategy in life and in business because white teeth make you seem like you're healthier. They are also very good when you're on video, and he's got this advantage over every other politician. Nobody has as white teeth as he has, because when you're on TV or on video, the white teeth act as strobe lights, and these strobe lights of the teeth draw your eye to the mouth of the speaker, and that's the first step of getting your message across, having people pay attention to what you're saying. So he uses his teeth in an interesting way. He doesn't smile a lot, though, because when I met him in person, my wife and I met him, he was so charming and 100 percent smiles. And there's photographs of him in my new book, 21 Performance Secrets of Donald Trump, that I took when I met him uh, the first time. And the the smile he has there is just electric. He's such a charming, smiling guy. But on TV and in his rally, he doesn't smile a lot because he's positioning himself as a tough guy. And he knows that in the eventuality that he gets elected president, he is going to have to deal with thugs and tough guys from around the world. And he doesn't want them to think that he's nice. So he uses snarling, almost dog-like teeth when he talks on TV. It's a very, very sophisticated form of teeth usage. And I respect what he's doing a lot with that. The second thing is R. Okay, So the T in Trump is for teeth. R is rehearsal. Rehearse, rehearse, rehearse. The more you rehearse, the better you're going to do as a speaker, as a performer. And we don't have the opportunities like Donald Trump does to rehearse as much as he does. That guy gets to rehearse the same sound bites, the same messages over and over and over because he speaks so often on stage and on TV and being you know joe i hope you'll talk about this later about the impact that being a speaker on stages has made on your life i know for me being a, a speaker on stages has been an invaluable transformation experience for me making me able to handle situations on the fly off the cuff like nothing else i've i've done other than being on tv and that's you know that's one of the reasons why i wanted to advance my career as a speaker which is one of the great spin-offs of being a tv celebrity is that when you go on tv a lot it makes it easier for you to get on stage to be a speaker a lot and even still i i still wanted to be on more and more stages which is why i created my business expert forum at harvard faculty club event so that i could say i've had the privilege of sharing my message at harvard And using that Harvard attachment and positioning opens up all kinds of additional doors to get on more and more stages or on prestigious podcasts such as this one. And all of that comes from rehearsing, rehearsing the messaging so that when you speak, you have maximum impact. People don't want to rehearse because they suck when they rehearse. But if you don't rehearse, you'll suck when you perform. That's a quote from Michael Port. I want to attribute it to him because it's so brilliant. Rehearsing is the second key to Trump's success. The U in Trump stands for ubiquity. The guy is everywhere. And nothing will help you in marketing like being everywhere. Oh, my goodness. When you think about where are Coca-Cola ads? They're everywhere. Where are Mercedes-Benz ads? They're everywhere. Where are Apple ads? They're everywhere. And ubiquity is a key determinant of success in marketing and then the M in Trump stands for message. He works on these messages and refines them and sticks to them and repeats them over and over and over. And the messaging that Trump uses is, he, is stuff that resonates with people. And what resonates gets repeated over and over and over. And then the P in Trump stands for props. And he uses some very interesting props. I'd say the most effective props he uses are his children. Ivanka, Eric, Donald Trump Jr. If you think about the net, in, the net worth of each of those children of his, they're worth probably a billion dollars each. It's the value of a nuclear submarine. It's like he has on stage with him billions of dollars of props in the form of his family members. And he is using them to add value to his sets. He also uses more decorative props. Like when you see any kind of Trump rally, you will see American flags and you will see uh, little children wearing Trump paraphernalia or wardrobe. And all of these props that he uses to add entertainment value to his events, sets, and scenes are an essential element of what I believe is the Trump formula for success. Well,
1: that's very interesting, Dean. What would you add to that?
2: I think that's a great formula. I love the
0: whole. I was thinking, you know, you've written that book; it couldn't be more uh, perfectly timed <laughs> right now. I mean, you wrote—I know you wrote it before he even uh, decided to run for president. But I mean, there's just another example of it. You, You're—it all helps to be an authority, right? You've got—you've got a book all helps to get on, on TV as well.
2: It does, but I, I knocked that book out immediately following the Genius Network meeting in January. I was at the Genius Network meeting in January, and when you go to these Genius Network meetings, the ideas and the people that you meet there are so powerful. And I woke up in the middle of the night after day one of the two-day Genius Network meeting in January, and I pulled out my Genius Network notebook, and I wrote down on a whole page, performance Secrets of Donald Trump. And in less than a week later, I had written that book. And uh, I'm so glad that I took the effort to do that because I had just written another book on performance. My, My book right before that was just called Performance. And both these books are available on Amazon. And the Performance book is really about how to perform on TV and on stage so that you get maximum impact and influence and make the most income. And I really was kind of tired from having written that book just a couple weeks earlier. But I knew once I had the idea to write this book about Trump, that it was going to be invaluable for me to write this book during the current season, because I knew that one of the things you have to do as a TV celebrity is you have to tie into media trends. And Donald Trump is a media trend that's not going to go away. The news industry is thriving like they have never seen before, because Everyone is like my wife. My wife is like, let's turn on the news and see if Donald Trump is on. Everybody's just fascinated with what he's doing. And that is what is driving this election. That is what is driving his candidacy. I don't know how anybody's going to be able to compete with his celebrity and his ability to be fascinating and and controversial and entertaining, most of all. And I honestly believe that the greatest presidents of the United States have been great entertainers. Ronald Reagan obviously was a great entertainer. Franklin Delano Roosevelt, if you have not heard one of his Fireside Chat radio shows, you've probably heard of the Fireside Chat radio shows. Those were the most well-received and most famous radio broadcasts of the of the era when radio was the dominant form of entertainment on the planet. And Franklin Delano Roosevelt, FDR, was the sole performer and host of the Fireside Chat. He was clearly an entertainer-in-chief who used his ability to entertain people on the radio in order to lead the United States of America out of the Great Depression and to victory in World War II. Then if you want to go back to Abraham Lincoln, he was a motivational speaker, kind of like Tony Robbins of his day. And Tony Robbins is entertaining road warriors today. And Abraham Lincoln was entertaining our nation's warriors in the war against slavery, and he was motivating them to lay down their lives for an idea that all men are created equal. His most famous motivational speech is still studied today, and most every school child in America knows the opening line. Four score and seven years ago, the Gettysburg Address is still a historical document because it was such an entertaining piece of oral history. And if you think about Abraham Lincoln and how he died, Where was he? He was in a theater. What was he doing? He was observing and studying entertainment. And that's because he knew that a president, a leader, has to be able to entertain an audience in order to get maximum engagement. Because unless an audience is entertained and unless they are engaged in the message, they cannot be led. So this is one of the reasons why Donald Trump is doing so great. He's able to entertain, engage, and I believe he is able to lead the movement to evict politicians from Washington and take back our government into the hands of everyday people who happens to be a multi-billionaire. <laughs> that's that's, 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 that's great. Yeah, that's
1: fascinating. So, you know, the alive one, I didn't get the A and the L. So what does the A and the L of alive
2: stand for? Awareness that this could be the last year of your life, L, let let go of past mistakes. We've all made mistakes. Don't beat yourself up. Just put it behind you, chalk it up to experience, and move forward.
1: Great. Uh, Okay, Clint, so what did we not ask you that we should have before we wrap up here?
2: Or what did we not Uh, talk about that you would like to? Okay. One of the big influences in my life has been listening to Brendan Burchard and Dan Kennedy talk about what I call million-dollar positioning, million-dollar positioning statements. So if you've ever heard Brendan talk, you've heard many times he said, "I've, I've had the great privilege of sharing my message on the same stage as Sir Richard Branson and Dalai Lama with great corporations like GE, Accenture, and Amazon.
1: Then, and by the yeah, way, the uh, the Branson and Dalai Lama things never would have happened had he not met me, so I just got to point that out.
2: I, I'm sure. I'm sure.
1: Well, and I'm there not he just is. We're going to send that clip to Brendan just to mess with him. Celebrity attachment. <laughs> <laughs> it's good yeah, yeah. Just to make him feel like he'd be a loser if he'd not met me. You know. <laughs> Which you never know, Dean. That could have been possible. Brendan could be not, nobody had I not. Good thing, I'm, you, I'm know, sure. known, you know what's so funny? Me and Brendan were giving a speech to like 35 people. Uh, I mean, tiny group, uh, as a favor to someone that could not make it. And this is like right when, you know, I've been doing this stuff for years, but Brendan was really just kind of getting started. And, uh, you know, I mean, he has just absolutely kicked ass um, in Mm -hmm. terms of, you know, how well he has honed his... I mean talk about a student of someone that has studied and studied and done and done and done. But anyway, yeah, it's kinda kinda we're all going through that path, Clint. There's a there's a success lesson there is just, you know, be willing to uh do what you need to do if if you want to play this game.
2: I agree. You gotta do whatever you gotta do, uh and over and over again until you get it. So, yeah, yeah, so sorry to
1: interrupt. So keep going. I, I apologize for interrupting. Okay,
2: so, so in, in that statement, that million-dollar positioning statement of Brendan's, here he is invoking celebrity attachment and what Dan Kennedy refers to as place theory. The places that he spoke at GE, Accenture, and Amazon. Now, Dan Kennedy does it. I saw Dan Kennedy at Super Conference a couple weeks ago. It was not five minutes into his first presentation at Super Conference, and he was already talking about how he used to speak in the arenas for the Peter Lowe Success Seminars with General Schwarzkopf, Colin Powell, Barbara Bush, George Bush, and Donald Trump. And there he is invoking the place theory and celebrity attachment. And I did it earlier here on this broadcast. I talked about how I had the privilege of sharing my message at Harvard and at USC because I was invoking that place theory. And of course, you've heard us using celebrity attachment many, many times. And it's this place theory that is so powerful. The the idea that where you speak is important and adds value to what you've accomplished. So, for example, the first Republican primary debate was held where? At the Reagan Library. Why? Because it added importance and power to that event that CNN hosted, and I, I think that every entrepreneur needs to be considering this issue of place theory. So, for example, I met I, I'm in you know Jeff um, Jeff Moore and the boardroom. Yep. Okay, so I'm a member of the boardroom. I go to those meetings in California from time to time, and one of the guys there has uh, a martial arts. Competition. He's 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 famous. His like uncle was the founder of this martial arts thing, and he was gonna do a martial arts competition at a polo field. And I said, Why are you doing it at polo fields? And he said, Well, one of my friends owns the polo field, so I thought it would be cool to do it there. Now, personally, I think it's completely wrong. Martial arts is not associated with rich people riding expensive horses and drinking champagne. That's, that's the wrong positioning for that event. I think that, that his martial arts competition should be held on the deck of an aircraft carrier or in an armory building or at Caesars Palace. That's the place where – Caesars Palace is a great place for some sort of a, a physical contest where they hold boxing matches. If he were to have – his martial arts competition at Caesars Palace, it would seem like it's the real thing. Whereas if he's doing it at a polo lounge, it's the wrong message. He's not understanding the place theory that where you do your stuff makes a difference and can even add lots of value. Like speaking, I could give the same speech in a gymnasium for some high school students or at a rotary club for, for some local businessman or at, the local chamber of commerce, but if I give that same speech at Harvard, it's a whole nother thing. It's now a video that people will actually watch and really entrepreneurs really need to pay play attention to this issue of place.
1: Oh, very, yeah, very, absolutely. Um, so, Dean, speaking of, what place are you going to announce um, my celebrity place? status? Yeah, I'm trying to try to out yeah, yeah. What are you going to do for me based on what Clint has shared today? How are you going to use this to make my life better?
0: <laughs> I,
1: think, <laughs> I mean, because I've should... been carrying, I've been carrying you along this whole time. Uh, I, I see, know, and by was... by the way, like all these jokes oh, that we make celebrity. about Batman and Robin on I Love Marketing. See I, what I was doing? I secretly was working <laughs> with Clint in order to lower your status That's while simultaneously increasing mine.
0: But meanwhile, I've been I've been riding your celebrity status to get my celebrity attachment. See,
1: so we've. Both, oh, I know
0: he's he's secretly because... Yeah, you're, you're very selfish.
1: You're very selfish with. No, no, Clint. No, this is great. This is great. Thank you. So, um, and of course, I'm always joking about. I, I I was just meeting with a guy last night, and I was just telling. You know, he never met Dean Jackson before, and I always gone. I'm like, you know, Dean is one of the most brilliant marketing minds on the planet. He's actually uh, way smarter than than me in 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 most marketing areas. Not all, because certainly, you know, there's a couple that I can I think I can take him with. But uh, you know, Dean is <laughs> Dean is an absolute genius. But I I always then have the caveat. But I'm more ambitious than Dean, so you know what 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 matters most. Um, but either way, uh where can people go to learn more about you and if they want to work with you, uh Clint, and learn more about this stuff, what do
2: they do? www.clintarthur.tv Clint like Clint Eastwood, Arthur like the King TV, because I am looking forward to seeing you on television. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. And so
1: what we'll do, we'll put out also in a future uh, episode as a bonus, we'll put out the video, Mm -hmm. 10-minute talk that that Clint did, which is fantastic, and go from there. So thank you very much. And for everyone, thank you for listening to I Love Marketing. Uh, Please subscribe if you haven't done so already. You can do that on iTunes. uh, And any additional show notes and stuff, you can get them on our website at ilovemarketing.com. So until next time, have a wonderful day. Mm And go make yourself uh, make yourself a celebrity. Have a
2: great day.